episode 105. Grace Nicol, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, how are you today? I am absolutely grand. A bit of a chill day and then drove through from Inverness to Lossie. And yeah, just looking forward to chatting. This feels like it'll almost be therapy in a way. <laughs> so looking forward to it. Yeah, it's well, not... Ryan is a trained counsellor, so... Well, no, I'm not a trained counsellor. I'll take it right now. Training as such, yeah. But um, this is not the first time that we've actually kind of... Uh, we weren't actually in the uh, the room, but like you did Melissa's uh, podcast last year, which um, I edit um, or edited, um, which I was going to put on my LinkedIn, but I kind of feel like it would make me sound like a bit of a deviant if it just had producer of Thirsty Thursday next to it. Of a guy in his mid-twenties just like... Yeah, be careful what profile picture you use. <laughs> I do commend you because that was a, that was long. Once we got the prosecco out, I think that went on for a mm. while. <laughs> so well, there was a couple bits I had to cut out, but I won't bring up what they are at the moment. Um, but I'll, I'll say after. <laughs> but it, it's kind of nuts to me that like you're sat here because I remember listening to you and Dan like back in the day in like the car or whatever. And when this started, this was never meant to like have guests or anything. It was just a couple of mates having a bit of banter in like a blank room during the lockdown. And now, you know, trees grow branches and fast forward like three years yeah. later, someone that I was listening to on the radio is like here. So it kind of, this continues to blow my mind as we go along. If we get more surreal by the month, don't it? It's, 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 um, it's strange for me, Grace. I, um, it's your voice that's recognisable. How, how often do you get told that that you've got? I recognise that voice so many times. Like it's bizarre. You're saying your mind's blown. I'm, my mind's blown that you want me here chatting to you. But for quite a lot of people, they know so much about me, and I obviously don't know an awful lot about them because they're in their cars all the time, or maybe just listening at home. But most people actually recognise me more face to face which is the weird thing because you okay. would think oh it's yeah. the voice you know not enough. but it's actually like if I'm out in town or you know at the pub or out shopping and folk are like oh there's there's Grace from MFR <laughs> still uh, it's bizarre like yeah. you didn't think when you signed up to this kind of job that it would ever be fame if you get mm -hmm. me uh, at least in the north of Scotland do you, do you do you do you like it do you, is it a bit strange is it how because how, I, I like I hope to God we never get noticed for these podcasts because yeah. them early episodes have got to go. Like, <laughs> but um, is it is it strange getting noticed? Like, it started yeah. off really bad, yeah, really really bad, and now it's really nice actually. Uh, I think it maybe got to maybe two years after doing MFR for it to get nice. It's at the start people weren't really sure of who I am and. Like, like who's this young lassie that's came from down the road up to the north and why is she on our radios and she doesn't sound like us so the fame was not fun and then after a few years of people getting used to me it was actually really lovely and I made it my kind of duty I was like I must remember everyone which was a really stupid thing to tell myself so everyone that I came into contact through the radio or whatever I'd be like right remember them so that when you meet them next you say oh you're so-and-so from so like whatever school of the week uh, even though children do age uh, I just did my best <laughs> to remember everybody but it's nice it's nice that people listen because essentially it's a bit like this we're speaking into a mic and we don't know how many people are listening on the outside so yeah. it's nice to know that folk were there so you're originally from Campbelltown, which is um, Argyle and Butte. Is yeah. that the area name? I, I did watch yeah. the BBC social clip um, the last <laughs> night. Now, from that kind of segment, uh, it kind of seems like 
that place has a, maybe a few similarities with the Highlands in the sense it's a bit more remote than most places that you would expect in the, I don't know if it's classed as the central belt or... Oh, it's definitely not the central belt. You you would call it like the sticks, the, okay, West, right. the West Coast sticks. <laughs> but I have like a huge connection to people with Bucky. Um, okay. This is bizarre, right? Wow. So it took me a long time because in Campbelltown, we've got quite a thick accent and it's kind of gone away over the years since I've lived in different places. But it's very similar to the Bucky accent. Mm. And it's because the fishing boats would go from Bucky to Campbelltown, oh, Campbelltown no to Bucky. Ah, right. So like a lot of people from Campbelltown would end up living in Bucky and vice versa. So if I can compare it to anywhere, I'd say it's very similar <laughs> to Bucky. Please still come to Campbelltown. It's still really nice. Uh, full of pubs, full of banter and a really thick accent. So uh, Campbelltown's small. Uh, a lot of people know everybody and they all know your business. So it's got that kind of mentality. I've, well, funnily enough, I was actually reading through the comments and the YouTube comments are not exactly like a accurate representation of a topic that you're no. researching at the time but there was one guy that kind of echoed those sentiments then i looked into his youtube channel and uh it was called freedom of speech with a glasgow rangers badge so take <laughs> yeah, take yeah, that uh, source there like how you will but um i suppose growing up there like you mentioned that like you kind of had a experience with radio at the local radio uh station uh 16 years old was that like your first kind of uh love for broadcasting or interest in it at the very least it was by mistake. Um, so when I was about, oh, it must have been about seven or eight, my mum was like a single parent and she didn't have anywhere to put me. And she worked at the court office. So her boss, who was like the sheriff, had a Gaelic programme and asked if my mum would answer the telephones. And she's like, oh shit, I don't really know where I'm going to put Grace. Like, got nobody to look after her. And he was like, oh, just bring her along. So that was my first glimmer into radio was from the age of eight to 16, just going in whilst my mum was helping because I wasn't like of a legal age. And it was never a career. It was just fun. Like, oh, it's just it's just the radio. I've never seen it have ever been a possibility. And I did my own show when I was 16. And that was, again, not anything that sparked like a career. I was just like, this is fun. And then it wasn't until I didn't get to do the career I wanted to. I was like, damn it. What else am I good at? Oh, yeah, I do the radio. But that's definitely not going to be a university course. And it was. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't have that experience at Argyle FM then I wouldn't be here. Like, it just wouldn't have happened. It was performing arts you wanted to do to begin with? I, was... <laughs> I wanted to be an actress so bad. <laughs> and I never got to. So did you apply for university for that or was it just the options weren't there at the time? Or So I'd been going to theatre school. Uh, again, I don't know if this is similar to Bucky, I can't speak for them, but Campbelltown... There was a lot of small crime kicking about. Uh, cause you yeah, it's pretty similar. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a lot of people my age, uh, especially from 16 onwards, getting themselves into trouble through drink, drugs, uh, just being hooligans, to be honest. And my mum didn't want that. So she sent me to drama school, uh, I think from the age of 12. Um, so I went to Glasgow every Saturday on the bus, which is about four hours. Wow. Uh, did the two-hour class and got the four-hour bus journey back to Campbelltown. So I was always doing drama and I was doing amateur dramatics at a club. So I was like, right, okay, I'm going to apply to what was then the RSMD. And it's now the Royal Conservatoire of Music and Drama. And I was like, it's okay, because I'm going to go there. It's fine. It's all going to be grand. Auditioned and they said, you're, you're great, but you're too young. <laughs> uh, come back in five years. Five? Oh, wow. I was like, piss off, I've not got five <laughs> years. And I, was, I wasn't even upset. I was just really angry and bitter. So I was like, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go make the films and the TV programmes and I'll cast myself in it. Because that's how naive and stupid I was at that time. I was like, I'm going to just cast myself. You, you would have wished that you'd taken me. Um, but 
I obviously didn't really do TV and film and I fell in love with radio all over again at uni. So thanks to the RSMD for saying no. But I suppose like you still followed like a, a path of your own in a way, right? In terms of like, yeah. you're quite freelance, right? You do multiple different jobs now from what I was seeing on your LinkedIn. Not through, through choice. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love a nine to five Monday to Friday in radio or something like that. But it's just not the way that mm. the industry is anymore. It's like get your work where and if you can and it is so temperamental uh, right now there's a big looming over channel four which is one of the jobs I do um there's gonna be cuts so it's a good thing I've got two three jobs that goes alongside with channel four because if it goes then I've got a backup and it's just the way media is at the moment yeah it's the same with film uh, I was mentioning a guy uh, before we actually kind of started recording and he was like he's down in Edinburgh doing uh, film business now from graduating as a film student and he was like, there's literally no film industry in Scotland in terms of like a funded um, source or a government People body. People come here to shoot films, but there's nothing made in Scotland. There's, mm. no, there's no mass production. We've got the landscape and the beauty, but they kind of pick and choose when they want it. But everything yeah. gets taken back down south, not even to Glasgow, but to like London now. It's even insane. like America take it more than probably Europe do, right? So mm -hmm. it's probably like the further south in the world you go, the more kind of opportunities come about. But um, what university did you go to when you ended up taking up, uh, was it broadcasting? Was that, yeah, I guess, the name of the course? Uh, broadcast production, and it was at the University of the West of Scotland in Ayr, which you should never, ever Google and check what, where it lands on like a list of best universities right. in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do you know what? It was good because it was very practical at the time. Um, you could go out and do radio and, you know, they had a radio station and like that was really good for us. But... I just didn't think it gave me everything, but it was good to have on paper. I think everyone just kept saying, go and do your honours degree, get it, and then do what you want, really. Just go and get it. But it was fantastic for me because it's not too far away from Campbelltown. There was like a ferry from our Drossen that we had at the time. So if I did want to go home, I'd just get the train and then go over to Campbelltown. Did, did you, like, as you kind of went along that course, did it spark like a kind of extra kind of love for like audio and video production and stuff like that along the 100%, way? 100%, yeah. Um, I, like I say, I was going to make TV and film. That was what I was going to do, make the TV programmes. And then I didn't do that at all. And radio was there and they just kept saying, like, you're really good at this. You should maybe pick this because you had to major in something, mm. TV, film or radio. And I was never going to do radio. It was always just like a laugh. And then when I was told I could do it like for the next three years and all you had to do is pop in a studio and speak and play music, I was like, this is yeah definitely what I want to do so I think it helped kind of guide me in the right direction I suppose it's even like funnier now that there's always been that mentality probably for the last 30 years that you need to go to university to get into an industry mm -hmm. where this kind of form of you know radio or film or tv it's so at least the equipment's accessible right maybe not the actual success but like it's, I'm just thinking of someone that's maybe went through like a like a university degree in media or something like that mm -hmm. and then some 15 year old puts something up on TikTok and the next thing you know like they've made like you well, know. that's it even back then like I'll be as lovely as I can to UWS but I didn't need it mm. like I really didn't it was good to help me shape myself and find myself ish uh, but right now if I was to go and get a radio job I, all I need to do is sound good like genuinely and these days have a bit of a following like you say yeah. so university kind of just goes like whereas when I was in sixth year I was I had to go to uni or like what would happen to me I'd panic like yeah. it was almost like caring about too much of what people thought of yourself like I need to go to uni but at the end of the day really for radio it doesn't matter was it kind of all or nothing or did you have a backup plan Grace 
I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't succeeded. That's a really good question. I don't think that ever crossed my mind. Not that I thought I would always do well. I was just really young and stupid. But I just Determined as well, though. Yeah, a bit, yeah. yeah. Like, a lot of people say that like, if you come from a small town where you're told that not much can happen here and you can't do very much or you know, where you're from doesn't really mean that you're going to do well, I think that does spark a little bit of drive in you. Because yep. we were always told if you're going to live in Campbelltown, you'll you'll die in Campbelltown. Uh, <laughs> you'll never leave. And for some people, they love it and they've got their lives there and it's fine. But for me, I was like, absolutely no chance. I want to go and explore some other places. I might come back, but no. Nah. So a wee bit of determination in there and always like a lot of love from like my family and stuff to say just Helps. keep doing it you're mm -hmm. fine because going to air was weird because like i didn't know anyone like didn't know anyone in air didn't really know anyone nearby so i was just kind of on my thoughts is it quite like isolating going to like a bigger area when you come from such a remote area because i suppose everyone probably knows everyone and like for example like <laughs> lossy to glasgow is like a total different kind of just environment in it like yep. yeah it's lonely like right now i'm working in glasgow and it's so nice even inverness is quite small like where i live at the moment so when you're going down the street you're like oh hiya how you getting on you will always see someone you know but in glasgow it's like the whole the phrase big fish small pond mm. small pond mm. big fish like i just feel like this tiny little person in a huge city and nobody knows you uh, I'm, I'm on the radio broadcasting to thousands and thousands of people but no one person knows who i am okay. uh, and it's all about building your brand down there it's it's weird it is quite daunting and it's scary but um it's kind of one of the things you have to do if you want to succeed in radio is push on and get over that one of the things that gives me and i that absolute fear is the thought of going live with oh podcast um, your, body will, your, your body will tell you it's fine <laughs> honestly I swear like a trooper but as soon as they make the, the faders up I'm, I don't do it yeah. you, you would be fine your mm. body would kick in adrenaline what's the first experience of going live like are you nervous going into that first live especially on uh, maybe not like your local Argyle radio but like your for, first live broadcast at MFR were you nervous for example yeah because i was on with someone that was like 100 miles an hour so my first show was with gino and oh i know blaster the yeah. past love him he's doing really well now in edinburgh um but we had done a demo with each other and it was a couple of days worth of demo just to kind of get used to each other and he was just like Phew. and i just remember saying yes a lot or yeah uh-huh uh -huh, sure totally and then i had to do the bloody travel and in an area that I have never seen before, in an area that is the size of Belgium, and I had to look at all the roads, and I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, like the road that takes you from Elgin to Lossie, for years I called that the A941, because it is, mm -hmm. but locals don't call it the A941, they call it the Lossie roads. So <laughs> like a long time I got pelters for that, I couldn't say roundabout properly because my accent was proper stronger than it is now. Uh, it was scary. And I, I just nodded and said, yeah, a lot for the first two days at least. Yeah. And just must have came across like a shy wee girl. But eventually I think I came out my shell a bit. <laughs> I suppose like repetition like makes, not perfect, but it makes you comfortable with it stuff, does. right? Like mm -hmm. I would imagine even if there is nerves now, it's probably not as intense as it was the first time doing it. Or there's like that mm -hmm. realisation that it's, it's going to be fine, you know. The thing with Gino and I was like, when I came on board, I was like, I'm very aware this is not my show, mm. right? It's Gino at Breakfast. He's been there for 10 years doing that show, more for other shows. I'm just the extra here. So I didn't want to tread on his, on his toes very much. But when it came to Dan and Grace, we were totally 50-50. 
And it came to the point where he could tell what I was already about to say and vice versa. So it would never clash. We would always flow. And like, I don't know how you do that. It just happens. So I would say something, he'd be straight on it with something quick and witty and vice versa. And if we would finish the link, he would be controlling the desk. He'd press play on the song and I would know that it was going to happen. So I would shut up. Yeah. It was weird how we flow, like we, we just flowed really well, but going to heart, I was on my own. Like I still am on my own. And so I'm in control of it all the time. So going with another co-host in the future, that would be, again, really difficult. That would mm. be a difficult thing to do. Because you don't know if you're going to have that rapport with them, right? Exactly. Yeah. We, we could hate each other. I mean, me and Gino hate each other for the first couple of months. We got over that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but again, we might not work. They might do my head in. I might do their head in. And it just might not flow well. And it's a shame because like, I'd love to take Dan wherever I go and be like, come on, mate. But that's just the way you have to live and learn in the radio industry is try different places, different things. And who knows who I'll work with in the future. Let's just hope it goes well. <laughs> I don't think anyone on planet Earth deals well with change, right? Mm -mm. So like change is always going to be intimidating. And I suppose as well, like, for example, there's part of me, like if I could just leave all the talking side to him and me just do the whole kind of technical side, I'd be happy, right? But... I suppose there's like an extra responsibility when it comes to like being on your own. Does that kind of breed any kind of anxiety or do you feel you're at a place now where it's just, you know, all same, uh, same thing, different day kind of? I think I'm quite lucky that when I was at MFR, as well as doing the co-hosting with Dan on Saturdays I was doing, or Sundays sometimes it swapped around, I was doing the show myself. So I had a good, good bit of practice to do the show myself. So when it came to going to heart, I was like, oh, I've done this. Yeah. That's fine. But um, don't get me wrong. You can make far better radio with two people than you can with one. Mm. So I like to crack a joke and have a laugh. But if nobody's laughing back, I don't feel like it's working. Like you might be laughing at home or in your car when you're listening. But I generally feel like sometimes it's really hard to gauge how well you're doing on air. You might be like, that was a class link. But it could have been so much better if there had just been somebody else there. And it's hard to find that just with one person. It, it's, it's daunting, but... It can be done. It's just you have to be very clever at broadcasting. I'm still learning that. So it's harder. I'd much rather have two people. You think you can get away with murder with two people, really. But on your own, eh, you got to play it safe. Yeah. I suppose conversations like a tennis match, right, is kind of like responding and then mm -hmm. you know, returning and all that type Back of thing. And, and like, well, you, you mentioned uh, the, the counselling training I did last year. One thing that like that taught me is I'm very uncomfortable with silence. So like... <laughs> In a situation like this, let's just say we were speaking to someone that was maybe a bit more, I don't want to say abrupt, but would maybe be more to the point with what their answer would be in that. That would make me panic because I wouldn't be expecting to respond so quickly. So well, for example, I had, a, I had a guest recently on the podcast who was quite... Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, to the point. To the point with their answer and then we'd kind of stop and then I, I, I suppose I find that kind of easier than you. I can flow a bit better. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's good to get... A, more of an answer out of someone and then they even then fire a question back at you something like that rather than like we had Richard Lockhead on and Richard Lockhead answered great great guy give us give us time of day and things but it was a very politician type interview we got from him yes and mm. he has to be careful yeah. and all said that said he jazz. was going to listen to the podcast and then probably listen to two episodes and was like nope not, yep, sure no, not for shit. me not for me <laughs> I suppose it's like having folk round to dinner I don't know if you've ever have, have the pals round for drinks or whatever I can't have it quiet mm. so I've always yeah. got to be chatting so can't stop otherwise I feel like it's not going well so I know what you mean it's, it's a confidence thing as well mm. as you, you feel like 
as you say, silence is uncomfortable for mm -hmm. a lot of people, and it depends how you take silence. I, personally, I've, I've I've got kids, so silence is a great thing for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, like even when you were speaking to Alan Main, there was a bit where you were like reading a note or something, and it was for one second, and I'm not even part of that. Yeah, you felt over like there. I had to jump in. Do you know what I mean? To like, so. Well, that's a minute on air feels like an hour sometimes, mm. and you're like, oh, but same vice versa. Like right now, hearts very short and snappy bits of chat on air. Like you're lucky if you're talking for over a minute. Um, but I feel like I've been talking for ages sometimes now. Uh, yeah. I've just gotten to that point. Time on air is very weird. It's like warped. So I could be chatting to somebody and then before you know it, five minutes has passed. I'm like, oh, damn it. I should really chop that down to a minute. And then you, before you know it, you've got to get rid of all the important things you've been talking about. But you're like, it's radio. You've got you've got a little time to fill it with great content. Oh, it's hard. I don't know how we did it. <laughs> and it, is, it is just as simple as speaking, right? I think. With a lot of the kind of big stuff out there nowadays, like people assume that they have to be some kind of qualified professor intellectual to like start like their own kind of nah. show or whatever. It's like just talk. Like everyone's got podcasts these days. Like, everyone's pretty got much, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I kind of wanted to get to know how the MFR opportunity came about, right? Because I would imagine that was a few years after you left university. Had you had work in between then, or? Yeah, so when I was at uni, um, somebody said to me, there's a radio station across the water. It'd be good if you got work experience. And um, it was called West FM. So it's part of Bauer, which MFR is part of. And so that day I went over <laughs> and chapped the door, thinking everybody would be doing it, so I better be first. Chapped the door, got an email address for the person I should send a demo to, went back over to uni that day, uh, made the demo, went back over that night, gave the woman, oh, bless her, her name was Joan, uh, gave the woman at reception my demo. Um, she was like, okay, I'll pass it on, but maybe email it too. So I didn't make two coffees, so I went back over to uni, made another demo and emailed it, never heard back, and then thought, do you know what everybody likes? They like parcels, don't they? I like getting a parcel. So I sent it in a box to the the radio station and that eventually got, once I sent it three times in boxes, by the way, <laughs> uh, that got the, the programme controller's um, attention. Just so need Kevin McKidd's address. That I was going to say, start sending them things. You'll not say no to parcels, honestly. But um, I got in there and I got to do street teamwork at West FM, so it didn't even get on air. So that's just going out and about being the kind of face of the station, doing competitions out at like the air show and they had the, the planes and stuff like that going down here, beach giving out free ice cream. You're kind of doing all the, the dog's body work, but it's fun. Yeah. So did that. And then the travel person was really unwell one day. So I just did that. And I was like, oh God, this is great I'm on air. I mean, I would dread to listen back to that. It'd probably be a terrible, um, but I did that. And then I became the cover person for travel. And then I became afternoon travel, which was quite great. And then that boss said to me, right, I've got a guy off on Saturday. Hey, do you mind covering the Saturday show? And I was like, absolutely. And then I phoned him back and said, I can't fucking do this. <laughs> I was like, I am not ready. I'm terrified. And he was, like, he was fuming because it's just like any other person trying to fill a shift. Aye. They're like, oh, great. I filled that. Brilliant. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the biggest opportunity in my whole entire life. Yeah. I don't want to muck it up. I want to make sure that everybody listening knows that I'm brilliant and I get a job and I'm on the radio and then I'm, oh. Um, so I was like, I can't do it. And he was like, no, it's fine. I admire that. All right, fine. Who am I going to get to do it? So that opportunity, I totally blue mm. and nothing like that came up for years so I maybe did the street team and travel for like uh, two and a half years until okay. I finished my degree and then um, after that they were like right cheers thanks there's there's not a job here for you though so 
go and try other radio stations. And I'm like, no, but I, I was going to mm-hmm. work here for the rest of my life. Like I would love, literally have lived and died at that station. Um, but they were like, no, there's nothing by. Um, some other girl came in and did it that they had from a different station, had shared experience. So I was like, right, where did she go before here? So she was at a station called Your Radio. Uh, her name was Zoe Kelly. So I was like, right, where did Zoe Kelly go? So I went and put a demo in at Your Radio, which was in Claybank. Um, so I sent the demo. They were like, yep, Monar. So I ended up doing overnights for six months, which was 12 till five. Ooh. I know. It's oh, a rough shift, that. Uh, it's graveyard. But weirdly, lots of people up, which was bizarre to me. And then um, I did, what did I do after? I did evenings, seven o'clock till 10 uh, for another six months. And then I got put on breakfast really quickly, which was mad. So I did breakfast for another six months. And it was at that time, and I still to this day don't know how this guy got my number. Um, I got a phone call from a guy called Brian Page, who sadly is no longer with us. Um, And he was like, Grace, I've heard you on your radio during breakfast and I'd like to have a chat with you. And I was like, oh my God, of course, I'm going to be on Clyde One. Brilliant. So I was like, yep, that's great. And I'd done street team and work for Clyde because it's a sister station to West for bits and pieces, maybe like six or seven shifts. So I kind of knew people there. So I was like, great. Oh, walked in. Oh, hello. Oh, hi, Grace. How are you getting on? I'm not bad. Just in for a chat. I went in for the chat and uh, Brian sat me down. He's like, I've got a, I've got a gig for you, unless you're really liking this, your radio pish. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm like, I would really love a gig. I would really love it. He's like, great breakfast. I'm thinking a breakfast show for you. And I was like, oh, that'd be brilliant. And I literally kid you not when I say that this chat was like 10 minutes long and I'd cleared my whole day. Um, so <laughs> 10 minutes to be told that he had an opportunity for me it was a breakfast show and somebody would be in touch to organise it I was going to do a demo to see if I was good enough and then this guy phoned me and I'd spent ages like maybe 6 or 7 days been like right let's look at houses in Aberdeen because it might be Aberdeen you never know Dundee it could be Edinburgh the borders everywhere <laughs> but Inverness <laughs> and I was like but they won't put me there why would they put me there um, I was still hoping and praying I was on with Georgia Boy but no it was Inverness and I was I panicked and I was just like absolutely and he's like great when when do you think you can go up and do the demo and I was like tomorrow so I went tomorrow <laughs> and I didn't realise how far it was and how cold it was and yeah. I remember driving up with my partner at the time and it went from 4 degrees to minus 10 Oh! and I was like oh my god why are we doing this <laughs> So I went and did the demo and I was like, that was shit. They put us up in the King's Mills, which was really nice. And I was like, if anything, this has just been a laugh. This has been great. We had friends that lived in Inverness, went and visit them, right? Back down the road we go. And then they phoned me three days later and like, we'd like to offer you the job. And I was like, right. yeah. oh crap. And they're like, when do you think you can start? And I said, tomorrow. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, no, tomorrow's Friday, how about Monday? So I had like the weekend to get my arse up to Inverness. So I lived with a girl called uh, Claire and yeah, that was it. Lived with her for a while and I had a spare room until I could wake me and my partner and all our stuff up over the, the space of a few months. So mm. it was just through that Brian Page listening to my show on your radio that got me up here. Was Inverness like a bit of a culture shock? I'm sure it was a bit of a weather shock for sure. But <laughs> Don't know, you've got more shops in Inverness than Campbelltown does. Mm. So it was like yeah. a nice happy medium between Campbelltown and Glasgow. So it was nice. It had hustle and bustle and pubs and bars and shops, uh, but it didn't have the mentality that Campbelltown did and it wasn't too scary like Glasgow. So I quite liked it. 
and to me, I was going on a radio station that was massive mm, yeah. on breakfast, so I couldn't have cared really where I was going. Mm -hmm. uh, my partner did though. So we got divorced. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it did not work. Um, he really likes being in Glasgow and he missed his friends and family. And I was a better person at making new friends because I was a bit more social than he was. And yeah, it was shit. So yeah, that's the weird thing. It's like a lot of people on podcasts that are talking about radio and their experiences. I never, ever heard them talk about relationships. Yeah. Like how do they work? Uh, there's so many stations in England and they just all seem to go from station to station to station to station to station. And I'm like, yeah, but what did your partner do? Like, where did your wife and kids go? Because it's not like we're premiership footballers where we're getting paid the money to flat these yeah. folk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I never know. So yeah, that just was a relationship that didn't work. So it was a bit, a bit of a shame, but such is life. It's like, it's like being like part of radio. Does that like, do you think people sometimes can't tell the difference between i don't say virtual virtual reality and reality but like you know i remember you saying on melissa's podcasts um or podcast rather that you were at a gig one time and some like girl thought she could come and just get a photo with you and stuff like that do you think because they hear you they maybe think they know you in a way because oh, of yeah. that side that you um you know reveal on the radio and stuff like that that they're your mate and they can you know be a bit more intrusive than if they just didn't know you to begin with a hundred percent my partner who has a business as well he's got an ice cream shop quite a lot of people will ask us for money like especially when i was wow, on really uh, wow. don't, don't get me wrong they're not coming up and saying hi can i have 50 pounds please <laughs> they're like can you make a donation to my charity thing uh, can you mm. donate a night's free of like entertainment like can you come and do a quiz for free or can you donate your services as a prize or whatever and i'm like how much do you think I make? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and like, you're on the radio. I hear you every morning. And like, and again, it's that friend mentality. Like, I would never have the guts to go up to like somebody I thought was famous and say, "Hey, can you help me with this? Can you donate this for free?" Mm. Like, I'd be embarrassed to ask for a photo. But they feel so yeah. comfortable with me coming up and doing it, and it's it, you feel bad because you that is a really important person that listener yeah. because like listeners are figures, which figures are money money is keeping your job so you don't want to tarnish that relationship with somebody so if you turn around and say no then they bloody hate you they'll turn off yeah. and then before you know it, you've not got a job anymore it, it really is as simple as that so you don't want to say no but yeah coming up for pictures I don't mind uh, it's just when it takes up a lot of your night to the point where you're not spending time with folk that you're with is when it gets a bit bad do you think it like subtly restricts your life in a way being like I suppose when you were at MFR more so than when you've uh, done Channel 4 in, in Glasgow because you're living in London and Glasgow, uh, not living in Glasgow, being in Glasgow, you're not as well recognised whereas up here it was like pretty common occurrence, right? So is yeah. that like, could you go out for a meal in Inverness in your kind of prime time of uh, MFR and not get, you know, bothered for a picture or someone saying hello to you or something like that? No. <laughs> People have a lot of guts when they've had a drink. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Mm. I will tell you this, though. Inverness, in comparison to the rest of the north of Scotland, couldn't give a hoot who I was. I mean, some of them do. And they'll come up and they'll get a picture, but they get used to you because you're about so much. And mm. it's a bit like, oh, we're Inverness. Like, don't care. But see, as soon as I go to either Murray or Caithness, wow. Yeah. Uh, I remember, where did we go? Me and Dan went to Caithness for some reason and we hadn't even passed the mile limit sign and we had cars following us. Ooh. We went to Tesco's for a pee 
and there was people waiting outside the cubicle I was in being like, excuse me, sorry to bother you. And I was like, going to let me just wash my hands? <laughs> and then they were like, can we get a picture? In the toilet, I went to Elgin Tesco's. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's funny. Um, but I was like, it didn't stop. That level of madness did just not stop all the way through Wick and Thurso. Uh, in Elgin, I was, going to, I was doing panto and I went from the town hall to Tesco's to get kitchen roll for whatever reason we needed. And this lovely lassie at the checkout was like, can you can you just please get a selfie with me two minutes? And I was like, oh, I don't really know what I'm going to hold up. She's like, just hold up the kitchen roll. So there's this random picture of me and this lassie <laughs> at the self-service with kitchen roll. Folk will be like, ah. So, I mean, it's nice. It's funny. It can get mildly inconvenient. But once folk have had a drink in them, it's it's funny as well. But it can get a bit too much. Like, people think they own you. Mm, like, yeah. you get divvied out between groups. And you're before you know it, you're getting 27 pictures. And you're like... It's a bit annoying. Plus, there's all these other people in the room that might be thinking, who the fuck does she think she is? Aye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's Aye. either going to be over the top kind of friendly or over the top bitchy, isn't it? Like, it's one or two. It's ways. a fine line. Very fine line. Like. like, I mean, I think I was mentioning before we started recording the whole Kevin McKidd thing, like people have tagged like his family members and that. And mm. I, if they were to reach out and say we're happy to like try and open a line of communication, I think that's fine. But me going, or one of us going out there and messaging, they probably yeah. get that all the yeah. time. Do you know what I mean? I've and actually got one of his relatives on my Facebook and I, I wouldn't dare sp get in touch with yeah. someone and be You don't like, want to bother them. Also, no. it's cheating. You want to yeah. get it in yeah. your own rights. That, that, you bother that the Americans true. instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll just Use keep join, joining the Grey's Anatomy Facebook groups. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. <laughs> Grace, uh, what's the biggest fuck up you've made on radio? <laughs> oh, I went and pissed once. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> right, can I just clarify all this right before anyone comes after me, especially my current bosses? Um, my boss, Davey, who is a living legend and he does a lot of work still within Bowery and stuff, he said, oh, listen, there's a new bar opening in Inverness. It's called Revolution. Do you want to go to the opening? Free booze. And I was like, I've... This is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> yes, I hadn't, hadn't been invited to anything apart from Panto, I don't think. So I was like, of course. And I was like, when, when does it start? And he's like, oh, well, half, half seven. I was like, oh, that's fine. Breakfast the next morning. I'll have a few hours. It'll be great. Me and Gino. So Gino never came. And he's like, no, I'm working in the morning. And I was like, oh, come on. So you get something to talk about. You go on the show and say, we were at the opening of the Rev. And he's like, no, you go and you can talk about it. And I remember it was half 11 and my boss is like, you need to go home. Um, and David my partner was with me and I was like I'm not going home so we went to Lauders um, and then we went from Lauders to somewhere else and then I got a taxi home and I woke up in the morning and I was, I was blazing and um, I was like I can't drive so I got a taxi I don't really remember the taxi um, the fact that I woke up was something short of amazing by the way and I remember getting into the studio and sat down and it's just a bit like this Gino's on that side I'm on this side and he was like nah you fucking stink and you're blazing he goes you need to just sit there and sleep it off so he ordered a square sausage roll uh, from the cafe down the road can I and brew um, told me not to worry about the first half hour of the show but to go and get a kip which I did eat the sausage roll drink the iron brew and he was like speak to me and I was like oh, yeah and he's like no you need another half hour <laughs> <laughs> seven o'clock came and I was I was fine I again I don't know how it would be if I listened back to it uh, I think it was sketchy but I wasn't as bad as what it was when I arrived and he was raging he said like, don't you dare ever do that again and I was like this is, you sent me to a free bar I was loving it 
Although I've never done that again. I have been at work half cut, like still a bit from the next, like from the night before, still a bit yeah. full of courage. Yeah. And my shows are on fire. Yeah. Like I'm hitting the vocals. I'm on, like I'm making all the jokes. Pure I'm like dance tunes that day. Exactly. <laughs> Don't forget about Ed Sheeran and Louis Capaldi. It's all about Rosala. Let's go for it. But um, never ever been pushed before. But I've heard people far worse. Yeah. Like I think way back in the um, early two thousands, there was folk at MFR on the show with red wine and that was a totally okay thing nobody oh. would have said no to it so yeah I've heard the stories and I'm like Akai was just a little bit pissed <laughs> go back to like the 80s like snooker play, uh, snooker like commentators would have like pints and fags yeah, and, just, and <laughs> smoking away and things like that it's, it's like I don't know if you've ever listened to Keith Community Radio but I'm pretty sure them oh, guys are blazing like but yeah that was my biggest fuck up um, there's always uh, the one that me Nicky Nart there's always the one that me and Nikki Marr did, which is um, if there was ever grass cutting, maybe not saying grass cutting and okay. saying something completely different with an N in it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but once you said it, like you have to hope that nobody really heard. Um, so you just carry on and you don't say anything. You don't even apologise because it could just be, I will say, oh, it's just my accent, right? It's just my mm. accent. Then you go on Twitter and you realise everybody's heard it. So <laughs> then you do have to make the apology. So. It gives me the fear about if, if this if this podcast ever goes viral, it's like them early episodes need some genuine. Oh, head. we need to delete every yeah. poll one. You're gonna get cancelled. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, pretty much. Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm I'm kind of worried that because I don't really know what MFR would be like with copyright policy or anything like that. So, like on like episode 100, we thought it would be funny to like because this thing's quite powerful. We thought we would like manipulate the mic to make it sound like a radio show mm -hmm. and. Um, like we all kind of got like steaming and that and um, Paul one of the guys that uh, was doing the show with us his like mate his uh, chef was just finishing work and we were, he was mentioned to us the week before he bought in a new car so we used to like when we were really younger as teenagers like like prank call people and like say if you name 31 flavours of crisps in 31 seconds you could win £31,000 and it would never work right but we were, like, I couldn't think of anything better at the time so it just got to a point where we actually built up the courage and we're like, should we prank call this motherfucker? And I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> so I had nothing in script. I thought he was going to do it and he left it on me. So like when the guy answered the phone, I just kind of went into panic mode and said like, Rick Roletto, MFR evening show, Tuesday at 8 p.m., right? And I was like, this is not going to work. And I mentioned the 31, there was a crisp of 31 seconds for 31,000 pounds. And they only hear the money. So mm -hmm. you could have told them anything at that mm -hmm. point. And then like, I was like, this is not going to work. I built it up. I had like all these sound effects on, was playing like an and then intro. It, and then it's like, boom, cheese and, and onions. Cheese and onions. Onion, onion. onion. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, oh. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's, it, it's one of those kind of competitions that it could quite possibly be on commercial radio. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like I was saying to you last time, I was showing one of his colleagues because it went right. Like he was apparently furious about it the next day because I'd sent an MP3, MP3 to Paul. Um, uh, so it was going around the kitchen before it actually like went out and uh one of his colleagues was watching it like i was showing her the video and she was like shouting beef and i'm like it's, it's a it's a prank do you know what i mean like but she actually got a genuine phone call from mfr a couple weeks ago for like 200 pound and hung up and she hung up see this is it this is when you start playing with fire and then she was like that's your fault and i'm like it was a woman presenter how how am i you know what so i mean there's like, a lawsuit coming through that letterbox yeah. shortly like for 200 quid it'll be addressed to rick Lorette, so i won't have to pay it yeah. Is that going to be your alter ego if you ever do go on the well, radio? I, I, I remember like back in the day when we used to be like absolute scoundrels. Like it was Bill Leslie, who was the council housing officer. 
um, oh, also known as rugby trials offer. You know, it was just like, yeah. it was really like stupid stuff like that. Mm. And I just panicked. I didn't even come, I just came up with the name on the spot. It's the least but, likely but, name but the, to be honest. The mad thing about that one is you done the same prank 10 minutes later and it worked again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was different people though. Different people. <laughs> same, same prank. It's the like, second one yeah. nearly did it. Yeah. That would have been the real fucking cat out of the bag, man. You'd have fucked it. 31 and uh, wow. I reckon I could have a list of 31 flavors of crisps and not read it. In 31, in 31 seconds, seconds. Oh. I'd be fucked like I'd be absolutely fucked so we put out on the podcast page Ryan put out a couple of days ago that you were coming on and asked if anyone had any questions for oh, you did you see I didn't yeah. even see this this is great so I have had two people privately message me <laughs> and it was the same question okay. and you kind of went in a little bit and you can go into it as much as you want or as little as you want but what happened to Dan and Grace in the morning Okay, well, what I will say, uh, and you will get an answer, don't worry, um, is in radio, you have to be very careful what you say because if I go slagging off some bosses, then my current boss might be like, hold on a wee minute, or any future bosses. So I will be very careful with what I'm saying. Um, We had a good run and we were doing really well. Numbers were fine. And we noticed that um, there was a lot of, there wasn't as much input to our show as we had had before. It was slacking a bit. And we're wondering why. And I got a couple of job offers from the hire boss. And I was like, why would you take me away from this show? It's doing really well and I really like it. Why would you take me away from this and put me on another show elsewhere? It didn't make much sense to me, which I declined those two jobs. Um, and then it came to, must have been 2020. No, it was 2021. And um, I was like, things things don't feel the same anymore. Like, we weren't to do graphics, we weren't to make graphics, we weren't to go out and do filming anymore. Everything had to be weirdly put through a chain of people, which then meant that it took ages for us to even get anything done. And I was like, this is just, it's almost like they're trying to make us crap. Well, at least to me, it felt that way. Um, so there was little signs and stuff. And then like everybody started getting really separate like we used to get Jodie in for handovers which means mean like our last little bit of chat she would come in and be like right, right oh, how's your day being Jodie oh not bad like what's coming up in the top 10 at 10 or whatever and then she would take over it'd be like a nice little transition but that stopped and I said to my like to David my boyfriend I was like I think they're going to get rid of us and he's like get a grip <laughs> get a grip you're doing so well and then this email came in for one of the bosses down the road to come up for a meeting and we're like oh hopefully this will like answer a few questions um because things have been funny and we think people are slacking in their jobs and we would like it to get better because it was really good a year ago before covid but you know how covid is and he came up with another boss who was we have like one boss that's in charge of all of us then we have another boss that's kind of in charge of all scotland and they've got another boss that's in charge of the whole of the UK. So the UK boss up and the Scotland boss and the other one through next door and he was really happy. Like he was like, hi, how you getting on? You good? Oh yeah, yeah, they're next door. Go and see them. I was like, fuck, we're going. (laughs) Uh, But uh, you know that way you have the worst worst thoughts in your head. You think it'll not be though. So I'm thinking the worst here. Sat down, nah, lo and behold, thought it's been great, but it's just time for something different. And I was like, what and the whole time I'm like be professional be professional so I was just like aha uh-huh, totally yep that's fine no bother oh Jodie's going to take over from it was only like a month or something and the date that they told us we could have our last show neither Dan or I were there and I was like you do know that we're both on holiday and they didn't know 
Um, so they were like, oh, shit. So things had to get changed. And they said, but, but we're wanting to keep you, though, on Saturdays. And I was like, that's great. But that's no paying the bills. Mm. Like, um, shouldn't really say this out loud, but it's done now. But I got 70 quid for that show. <laughs> it's not a lot of money. So, again, everybody just been like, I thought you were on way more than that. No. So I was like, right, I can still do your Saturdays, but just be aware I'm looking for something else. And I came out that meeting and there was the happy boss like, ah, how was that? How was it? And I just ignored him. I was like, you know fine well how it went. Left and went and sat outside tappy carpets and cried. I was crying for hours. And this wee old man came and made sure I was okay. And I was like, no, I'm not okay. I'm just lost my job. For my mum, mum panicked and panicked. She's miles away. She's like down in Campbelltown. She's like, well, come up and we'll help you. And I was like, no. And I just cried. And it, it, it kind of happens in radio, right? Your time comes. Yep. But you kind of need to have a reason why. Like, mm. okay, your numbers aren't great. Or, you know, we're closing down the station. It's networking. Or not just, you know, we just fancy trying something different. You need that closure as well. That's it. So that's what we were kind of annoyed about, that there was no closure. But weirdly to us, other members of Bauer were being told completely different stories. Uh, that our numbers were yeah. bad, uh, that there was somebody else in their eyes and they wanted to change us. And I'm like, hold on, wait. So your mind starts getting all boggled and you're like, somebody just tell us the truth so that we can just move on with our lives. But we never, ever got it. Um, it was it was heartbreaking. We I went to the darts the following day. I was going to Aberdeen. So we had to still go on air the following day after being told we were sacked. It was a Friday, I think, or Thursday. And... Um, my face was out to here. I looked like I'd been punched in the face. And Dan and I were like, I can't believe they're making us do this, but just do it. And it slowly but surely throughout the morning, people were coming in and hugging us and that would set me off again. And I'm like, I need to go elsewhere, but my boyfriend lives in Inverness and I'm going to split up like my last relationship. It was all terrible. And then it, Dan was like, I'll, I'll be okay. You just head to Aberdeen. So I went to Aberdeen after the show and I was in Aberdeen for an hour and people were coming up to me going, what the fuck? What's happening? Mm -hmm. I'd, 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 I've heard on the grapevine. I'm like, how? So I had spoke to Dan before I left saying, find out when the Radio Today article's coming out, right? So that's like a big body, like a newspaper for radio. Okay. And find out when that's coming out and ask if we can put a post out after it's released, not before, after. And he's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to put. So I wrote up two or three sentences that was just clear as day. We finished this time Jodie takes over, it's being day, thanks. So Dan had posted it after the Radio Today article had came out and we expected this to come out weeks later, not hours or days. So it was literally the following day and it just went boom and it was bad. Like, I don't think they expected it to have that bad of an impact. No. So people were phoning the station. Jodie was on air crying, saying she was sorry. I then came back from being in Aberdeen and I had had phone calls because people were writing things on Facebook. Uh, my bosses were saying, you know, you need to make these people take these posts down. And I'm like, it's nothing to do with me. <laughs> like, I was kind of getting a little bit threatened at the time. And I was like, I, it's nothing to do with me. You've made the decision and it's out now and people don't like it. Yeah. it you need to either get on with it or do something about it. Um, so we were told that... <laughs> that was it, don't come back. You don't get your final month, just don't come back. But Grace, you can come back in September and you can do your Saturday show, but we'll pay you for the month that you're off, for the couple of months you're off, right? We'll pay you. Think of it as like a paid holiday. You're proper lucky. 
So they paid us for what would have been breakfast and my Saturdays until uh, the dust had settled. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a shame because I, I just felt like it was like a family. And then for your family just to be taken away from you. Yeah. You're like, my work's gone, my career gone, my identity gone, my family gone, my friends gone, because everything I did was MFR. And then you're like told to rebuild it again from nothing while somebody still is every day on your show. It's not good for your mental health, man. Mm -hmm. So bad. And that's another thing, like I did say to my boss, I was like, my mental health is like that. Like I'm really depressed. And I was told to just get on with it. So I think at that point, that's when I realised that, you know, Saturdays at MFR are great, but I'm not doing them anymore. So that's when I started applying for other jobs. So that's what happened to MFR. It was brutal. Uh, it could be handled a lot better, but it wasn't. And I think actually, even though it was a really terrible thing, it's worked out really well for us. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, yeah. I think it's just shocking probably how callous those decisions are made. Like Pretty you said, much. there's no warning and it was kind of at like the height of popularity mm -hmm. as it went to well, show through yeah. obviously we don't condone people going out and maybe venting anger to an oh, extreme no. right but like then them trying to kind of pin that on you it's like you can't control like we were saying earlier you can't control someone coming up to you wanting a picture you can't control someone going and saying something not on your behalf but because they love the show right like it's not exactly that's not your responsibility that's the general public isn't it so and a lot of people got mixed messages they're like why are you leaving and i was like i'm not leaving and i think this was the worst thing people were really sad for us so i was djing in jimmy badgers which is a cocktail bar in inverness and people were coming up to me oh i'm so sorry oh i'm so sorry every week and i was like oh please stop feeling sorry for me i'm sad for myself you don't need to be sad for me too and it was nice though they were out of kindness just showing how much like they thought it was a really bad decision and that was nice to know that we were mm -hmm. appreciated uh, but it made it like a harsher blow every single day to the point where still people ask me like now not just through the podcast but like in general life like what happened and you're like oh god <laughs> Here it's been a year again. and a half here we go again <laughs> uh, but it is i don't know if this is worth saying but um it's kind of obvious what they're doing with it um if you keep up to date with scottish radio the west fm that i used to work for is now a studio in radio clyde building's been knocked down radio borders is non-existent anymore it's now greatest hits network so what was the mfr north sound twos all that um tfm comes from edinburgh they still have the offices, I'm sure, in Dundee, but it comes from Edinburgh because they've only got one show. Um, it's not going to be long till They centralise it. MFR yeah. comes from North Sounds, or even mm -hmm. worse. I didn't expect this to happen so off, uh, so quickly, but in England, they've just taken six heritage stations, or maybe more, um, which is a bit like MFR and all that, and they've totally changed them all to hits radio. So, I mean, it's not long until that happens, and that's sad. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's bad to say, but it's one thing that's kind of common that happens to the north, not just in radio and stuff like that, but most things. Yeah, and they mm -hmm. can cut it because they can. Because I mean, not to try and make this sound like a labour speech in the houses of parliament or whatever, but it's like <laughs> is the same way that like we talk about the UK, like London having the best of everything, and then struggles outside of that. I still think Scotland has that as well. It does and I think like through like Andy McDonald, who we're having on ten days from now. To think that there's acts like that coming to a place like Elgin, it absolutely blows people's minds because they can never see that happening, but it's proved that it can be done, right? Yeah. It doesn't just have to be Glasgow or the Hydro, exactly. and, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's, it sucks that that's the case. Uh, uh, 
governing body level at least anyway and you mentioned dj in there i had that noted down so do you still try and do that as much as you can in gigs and stuff like that or totally um the hard thing with being on air on Saturdays and Sundays in Glasgow is that uh, I don't really want to be out jeopardising how it'll sound the next day on air. So if I'm out DJ until three in the morning, I want to at least sound like I have a good show the next yeah. day. So I don't DJ in Glasgow, though it's crossed my mind. Uh, but I do still try to do midweek stuff in Inverness if and when I can. Mm-hmm. Although quite a lot of the clientele have been primary schools recently. But, um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> they're wilder than the yeah. adults. Um, but like anything from doing pub quizzes with music on it uh, to doing fundraisers now with Strictly coming up. There's lots of fundraisers midweek. So if they need a DJ, I've got a couple of tipsy tea parties which require me DJing and almost making the night into one big hen night playing games with like women that have gone out to get pished so uh, so I still do DJ I try not to do it too much because it's like ruining a good thing you have a hobby and then you make it your career and you don't want to hate it so small small bits small bits in terms of music what considering you've been a radio DJ for so long what was one song that you cannot fucking stand on the radio oh where do I begin (laughs) right um, there's a lot um, and can, I was going to ask you is, is there a reason why um, MFR plays uh, Gangster's Paradise by Coolio about eight times a day <laughs> this is a great question actually I will explain um, so your first one why do we play the song, same songs every time um, and that's because all of these artists have uh, record companies and labels and mm. these record companies and labels pay radio stations to play their artist's song so Louis Capaldi Jess Glenn etc etc they're probably huge record labels that will just pump money into these companies and therefore they're on A-lists or I can't remember some radio stations do it backwards but the top lists so they'll get rotated loads Um, then you've got a B-list which maybe not getting quite as much money and then you've got C-lists and then sometimes this is just new music and you're just kind of sprinkling it in to see if anyone likes it but apparently stations go out and survey people and I'd love to meet these people to see who's saying they really want to hear Ed Sheeran and Jess Glenn all the time. Um, but it's mostly down to money. Like, yeah. But we're told as presenters, you have to go out and you know make sure that people know that you picked these songs. This is your playlist. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I would get laughed at the tune if folk thought it was my playlists. But uh, luckily Heart's a little bit more, more my kind of thing it's got a lot more club classics and stuff like that but yeah it all comes down to money and uh, what song do I hate um, Train Drive By or any uh, Louis Capaldi at the moment and even he detests his songs at points because they just get constantly played so sorry Louis <laughs> it's mad though because he's kind of like hit an absolute winner to the point of where people that don't even like his music like him because he's such a likeable guy exactly. through laughter and stuff like that So although I would like him to come out of his you know, chill time and start doing some things, even little things, because when we play Luz Capaldi, I have to say something about Luz Capaldi. So the more he does stuff, the more content I've got. So mm. even if it's just going out for a walk and this, like the dog and the, down to the supermarket, um, that's enough for me. I suppose that's part of being a radio presenter as well. It's constantly keeping on top of current events. Like if mm. you're speaking about a song or a person, you kind of need to know a little bit about that person or that song. Exactly. Like when I started, um, when I totally went away from radio for a while between um, MFR finishing and me moving down to London, um, I couldn't tell you what was happening in the world. I had no idea. And it was weird. Somebody would be like, oh, did you hear about such and such? I'd be like, no. And they're like, how not? It's like, because I'm not online anymore. Like, <laughs> whereas I'd be up first thing in the morning seeing the news if and when it came in and then you'd be keeping an eye on it during the day. You like see pub quizzes. I was so good at them, <laughs> especially <laughs> if they had like a current day round. Because uh, just you're on the, the pulse with everything. Yep. 
Uh, but you have your kind of sources. There's some sources out there that are like hot on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you would always need to have local stuff for MFR. So keep an eye on the papers like P&J and the Courier, even though I fucking detest them. And you've got like your Metro and your, your kind of show busy stuff as well, like the Sun online and stuff like that. I still think when I ever I hear about Lewis Capaldi, I always think about the time I got told he was meant to do a gig at the Druthy Cobbler. Was he? Yeah, he, was, he pulled out with a sore throat I, though. But I just, I would have, I mean, when I walk into yeah. the Druthy Cobbler, like I, I feel like I've walked into Lord of the Rings. Yeah, All like the chairs are too big yeah. and the tables, yeah. like, they're doing bacon and maple syrup crisps, like they cost it's, £2.20. I, it's, I just, think it's just the irony of that place is it's got like board games and books and things and you literally go 10 feet around the corner and it's in the Muckle Cross. <laughs> and it's, it's like complete polar opposites You're of bad pubs. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. But that's the thing with Lewis Capaldi. See, when he started, he was going to places like mm-hmm. Blum and Druthy Cobbler, the Ironworks and stuff like that. We, so we got to have him on. So. We've seen him at Belladrum. And from the, when he got initially booked at Belladrum to the time he played at Drum, Belladrum, he actually blew up massively. And there was almost, I would say, crowd crushing at Belladrum because of the, the popularity. Of yeah. Him, that's insane. Know. It's, I it's, suppose once you start getting radio DJs complaining about how much you're playing Luz Capaldi, you've no, you've kind of made it. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask about the Dan and Grace podcast because I had to listen to a few episodes um, a few weeks ago and I knew you were coming on. And it's fair to say that um, the shackles that maybe kind of daytime radio were kind of loosened for that show, I would say, right? Because <laughs> I opened it up and it's like, the Queen's dead. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's everything we want to say on the radio, but we're not allowed to. Um, yeah, we just wanted an excuse to see each other, if I'm being absolutely honest, because we'd spent, well, Gino and I were about two and a half years and I was there for seven. So we spent a good part of four and a half years together and then for it to just stop, it felt odd. He was like my brother. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, everyone's saying to a podcast. I was like, I don't expect it to go very far, but until we get something sorted let's do a podcast and we got nevis fm which are fantastic nevis radio or where dan started um so they let us use the studios for free it was a day to spend with dan and then um, we just kind of had a bit of a laugh we kind of wanted to make it like the show but like you say a little bit looser so we had like local artists on interviews with local folk chatting about local stuff and just having a laugh really so it was just an excuse to get together it's like a podcast it was a podcast with music in it that's that's what i quite we just mm-hmm. started throwing in random tracks <laughs> <laughs> getting the pp um what is it not was it pps am i making that up that's a channel for a reference getting the permission to have those songs on is oh, hard yeah. yeah i'm like oh my god please please uh, prs that's what i'm looking for but it was bloody hard but well worth it and even though there wasn't an awful lot of it I still think it was good for us to keep doing, um, to keep in the broadcasting world. Uh, my advice to anyone that's ever thinking of doing radio, if you do hit like a dry spill, is like, just keep doing it. It can be like sitting in your house, making content on your phone. Like, just don't get off the bike, if you know what I mean. Like, just keep going, whether yeah. anyone's listening or nobody's listening. So uh, it was good to do. Uh, it had to have a time to stop though, because we were just we we're like we'd better go get some proper jobs yeah. and make some money. So it was we were glad to get it sponsored actually a couple of times. So that was quite good. Is there ever like a not a blood in the lines, but is it ever hard to like continue doing something you love doing, but it's also work at the same time? Does that ever kind of get mixed up? Of like, do you ever sacrifice? I don't so much enjoy doing this, but it's work or. I do love doing this, but it doesn't pay enough and those kind of oh, dilemmas, I guess. Dan was good with that, right? He didn't do anything unless he was getting paid for it. Whereas 
I couldn't say no. I was really bad at saying no. And sometimes I let, like I was saying to you, I made MFR was like my life, my everything. So there was no fine line between work and like private time. It was just yeah. like, even got to the point where everybody knew what was happening with me and my boyfriend because I was speaking about it on air. It just merged into one. So I didn't mind how much extra work I was doing on air or like outside broadcasts or visits, I would have done it all for free because it was all as one. But Dan is like, no, I've got a clear line from my personal life and he had the other job of firefighting and I have a clear idea of where my work is. So he would get the money, he'd be like, nope, not doing it. And I'm like, oh, come on, but the content for the show, it'll be worth it. Think of the likes we'll get on Facebook. Um, but I could never, ever differentiate the two. It was really unhealthy, actually. But sometimes you think to yourself, I'm so invested, it's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. Do you like creative control? Yes. Try your job I like to have a vision and see it finish. Yeah. Uh, don't like too many people poking in. Uh, but welcome to have a chat about things at the start. So quite a lot of the things we would do at MFRs, we'd sit and we'd have a brainstorm. Uh, like, right, okay, we've got an idea. It's never going to be this idea because we're going to sit and pat like some ideas out. And before you know it, this idea has grew arms and legs and it's something it was never going to be. And that's fine. And then I have to have it planned out day by day how we're going to execute it. And if it doesn't go that way, I get funny. Yeah. I'm like, but we haven't completed what I thought was going to be done on Tuesday and we need to have this done by Friday. I work with this guy. <laughs> so, Honestly, this sounds so familiar. You just hope that the other person turns up to do it and you're like... But do you know what? It keeps you on track. It keeps you on track that way. I uh, suppose it's a bit like pinky in the brain, right? That's how I describe Dan and I. It's like we wouldn't work at all without each other. But like he is very wild and wacky and brings the colour whereas I bring the organisation and the most of the ideas and together we wouldn't have the great product at the end. If I just did it myself it would be crap. Uh, whereas we've, we're doing it together although he did my head in sometimes it worked out. It was just biting your tongue. <laughs> like, have you done it yet? <laughs> have you done it? But yeah creative control very much my thing. One of the questions I've got for you, Grace, is could you tell us a little bit about 007 Road to a Million? Oh, I didn't think you would ask about this. <laughs> so weird because I obviously knew all about it when I was on Melissa's podcast. Mm -hmm. I knew about my job at heart and I knew about 007. I was allowed to say a thing. Um, so this was just a laugh, right? So just after I got the sack, my friend Daniela was like trying to make me feel better. And she is just happy vibes, peace, love, respect. She's all that. Chakras, getting your crystals out. And she was like, oh, I've just got a good feeling about this year. And I'm like, Daniela, I've just lost my job. You're supposed to say this, but it's not making me feel any better. And she tagged me on Instagram on this thing. And we didn't know it was anything to do with James Bond. It was just like, who wants to be on television and race across the world and win money? And there was at that time a BBC programme called Race Across World. So yeah. I was like, oh, it's that. I hate racing anywhere. Um, so I don't think so, Danielle. She's like, oh, let's just apply. We'll never get on it. And I was like, right, fine. And then we did get on it, which was really weird. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Now at the time, I was still doing my one show a week for MFR spoiler and um <laughs> they were getting fuming with me well one boss was just like we've given you one shift a week you should be lucky you've got this and i'm like oh. but i need to take next saturday off um sorry get something on and i obviously know what it is and he doesn't he just thinks that i'm being an absolute twat wanting all these weekends off because that's when we had to film it 
Um, it was the same with uh, Jimmy Badgers. I told them of what was going on though. I was like, here. And they were like, go. Um, <laughs> so they did like a test run for us in Glasgow, which was bizarre. We had to run through Paisley Road West and try and find all the clues that they'd had, which was mad. And then before you know it, we're getting picked up in a car and taking our phones off us and told that we won't be back for a couple of days and uh, you like is this actually SAS who dares wins <laughs> well, we didn't get where we were going so I'm thinking race across the world right first day where can we go Daniela was getting a, a, a train I think up to Inverness I was like right we're obviously flying from Inverness we're going to Amsterdam because you can go anywhere ah clever uh, no we went to <laughs> went to Sky. And that was fine. <laughs> the first few days of filming were mad. Unfortunately, you don't see it in the programme. Um, but the first day was the first question. Uh, we're also getting paid for the days we were away, which was I was like, we've won already, Daniel. Come on. <laughs> um, so good amounts. I mean, my wage at MFR times like 10. Um, so we did the first rounds. Uh, we won five grand. I'll, uh, I'm sure nobody's going to watch it and if you do it's like two minutes um, we won five grand in the first round you don't see it uh, the second round was still in sky um, so the first round was just climbing up a mountain and weakening this thing over the edge of a cliff which took us all day to get up and down uh, yeah. oh it was Great. awful and it was roasting which was well, I'm not used to that the second day we broke into Dunvegan Castle so we had to get like big pliers to open these chains and climb, climb into it and all that. And then we had to find this question, which was underneath a scorpion and stuff like that. So then we got it right. We hummed and hawed for like half an hour. Like nobody spoke. They'd be kind of chatting to us throughout our getting there. But then when it came to the question, they didn't speak. Producers are horrible, by the way. Mm, right. they, yeah. they want you to do what they want. And if you don't do it, they will make you. Uh, so it's like right do it again and again and again mm, no say this say that and apart from the question they don't interfere uh, so it was pretty hard and then the third day was cutaways which I'd never heard of which is just all the little bits in between so you are just running for 30 seconds and then running at a different angle and they've got a drone right run it again uh, bizarre and then a couple of weeks went by and they were like right you're going for round three and I was like oh I have to get more days off work. <laughs> uh, phone out the boss. Ha, I really need to get Saturday off. And he was, oh, if you thought he was angry at the beginning. Oh. <laughs> uh, he just thought I was at it because of everything that had happened. Uh, still didn't tell him. Uh, so he gave me the time off. And then <laughs> we went to, where did we go? It was Italy. Where, uh, where's, where's it? Venice. Went to Venice. Nice. And uh, the first one was us swimming in the canal of Venice. Again, you don't see it. Um, I don't know if you know what's in the canal of Venice. A lot of shite, isn't there? Literally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we got <laughs> injections before going. And I was like, what's happening? Where are we going? But it was like to make sure if we did catch anything that we wouldn't die. So that was nice. So there we are swimming in the shit. And uh, this is the worst bit ever. There was a ladder we had to climb. And Daniela was like, I'm not going up second. You need to hold it. So I was like, okay, right. On you go. Right. Okay, pal. Now she's just been in the water that's covered in shit. Oh, she's walking up and I went, you're fine, pal. Oh, no. Yeah. Right in the gub. Uh, so, yeah. That's rough. Uh, <laughs> but we still got the question right. And I was like, makes eating shit all better. And then the, the fourth day was obviously uh, where we got kicked out. But we still won the money that we'd racked up already, which was £25,000. Wow. Pretty good. I kind of feel like if you'd actually told the truth to that guy, he would have still thought it was the most 
batshit crazy excuse ever, right? You know? You're telling me you're on a James Bond reality TV show. You're in Venice and someone's shitting your mouth. <laughs> it's like, me bother, Grace. If you just want to go to the pub, it's fine. <laughs> but I one had signed that form and two didn't want to give MFR the satisfaction of knowing. So. True, true. Um, uh, the BBC, The Social, right? Um, you did three of them. Um, I take it is because no, there's five. I, I counted five. Oh, there's a five. Oh, I've got a whole page. Right? I didn't yeah. know that. Uh, I well, forget how many I've done. Because you were mentioning, like, uh, I think it was Melissa's that you can submit things to them. Was that how those things came about, or did they reach out? Or? Yeah. So the BBC Social's now kind of changed its format. Now they kind of just focus with four contributors every six months. Right. Okay. But at the time, um, gosh, I think it was just after my brother had passed away. Um, they, That's the one I've got here. So yeah. I've got, you done one about pies in Dundee. That was great. Yeah. yeah. I just got to eat pies all day. <laughs> Could you believe that you were getting paid for that? Like... And Danny that I did it with organised it all. So I was just driving us about and eating. It was fantastic. <laughs> there was Living with an Italian. Yep. That was um, lovely, David. There was Inverness in Campbelltown. And then we had the one about your brother as well. There's a yeah. really random Halloween. Are you in? Are you not in? But it was shit. So we'll not talk about that. And yeah, I think that I think that was it. Yeah. A, a good handful of them. So you would approach the BBC, like the social were really reluctant to take me because I'd been a presenter already, and they were all a bit raw, normal right, people. Yeah. Like, want you just to talk to camera? And I found that really difficult. I had this whole radio voice on, and they're like, "No, nah, man, like you can't read like that. You've got to speak like a normal human being, not a presenter." So that was a really big hurdle to get over. But they took me on, and they were great. So you would just come up with an idea, you would pitch it to a producer. I had a really great producer called Zara, who lives in Aberdeen, she's still with them. And um, she would just say, right, that's a great idea, but we're just going to change it a little bit. How about this? And you'd go away, you'd write the script, you'd film it on an iPhone, or if you were really fancy, a camera if you had one. And then you'd send it to them and they would edit it. Put their, They kind of own it after that. Yeah. So it's ah, not right. really your, yeah, your kind of property. Uh, switcheroo. So even though the Campbelltown and the Inverness video get shared so many times by different BBC platforms, I'm like, again, um, you don't own any of the rights to that. And I can put it in like a showreel, but I can't really claim how well it's done. No, no royalties on that. <laughs> I wish, I wish. But no, they were really, really, do you know what? They were really good, especially because I started doing a little bit more once uh, I'd lost my job at MFR. So they were aware of that. So they were just like they were, like saying, go away and come up with some ideas for us. And I was like, fantastic. And it was just a bit like, right, go and film it. And I'd always wanted to do a Campbelltown video because the BBC came to Campbelltown when I was maybe in primary seven and made a really terrible documentary there's a guy called Paddy Wivel who's not allowed in the town anymore. And it oh. just, it's, it was like... It's getting more and more like Bucky like the day. <laughs> well, see the similarities now. Well, they followed a group of teenagers who weren't of age of drinking. And it was like, if you want to move to the country and think it'll be peace and tranquility, think again. Uh, and it was just right, all okay. painting us in a really bad oh, light. Right, okay. Don't get me wrong. There was a, a good chunk of the town that was like that, but we weren't all like that. And it, they just kind of focused on the negative and it really hit the town bad. I think it was really bad for us all. So I was like, I just want to, if I can do anything, I just want to make a Campbelltown video. That shows it in a positive light, yeah, right? Yeah, so that's what I did. And like, I feel like that has a bit of justice in itself and I was chuffed with it. So yeah, the BBC Social was great. Although I did do two weeks of producing for them. They Somebody was on holiday. That... Pfft, I will be in front of the camera instead of behind it anytime. Yeah. It's a hard job. Yeah. Like editing it all. I learned about thumbnails and uh, 
when you're taking a bit of footage apart, it's called a still. Mm-hmm. Like, how many stills is there? <laughs> Depends Millions. On how many frames you're shooting in. Oh, 50 on Spotify now. You can thank me for that because I've pestered them for the last six months to get it on. But uh, who, that, that guy that was, you did the Dundee one, Dan, did you say his name Danny, was? Danny. I mean, I can't get away from folk called Dan. I've got Daniela, Dan and Danny. Because, oh. like... It's almost like, I know what you're meaning with that kind of presenter tone, because at the start of that, he's like, I'm with Grace Nicole and here comes the pie tour. And you're kind of in the like, welcome to, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I, I was like, that's like me after like two beers. Like, yeah, I'm in a pie tour and here's Grace Nicole from MFR, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst thing. Like loads of people in the comment were like, oh, it's Grace from MFR. And I'm like, no, it's just, it's just Grace now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, it was great fun. And that was quite a good thing that the BBC Social were doing and hopefully will do again is that the contributors would come together to do a video like, yeah, yeah. So I think there's a guy that rates takeaways and stuff, Dazzle or something like that. Aye, the guy aye. That, aye, I've seen him. So he yeah. started off in the social and he's just skyrocketed up. Same with a comedian called Mary Lang, who's from the islands as well. She's now like in Glasgow doing the comedy circuit in Edinburgh as well. So it's good. It's good to have people in the BBC to know. So it's really helped push me to other platforms. I've seen sure. you like you just kind of had like the lanyards as well. That feel pretty cool going yes. in and feeling official. <laughs> Nothing better than a lanyard that's branded. Like I've got several of them. I've got a global one now, and I'm just like. <laughs> Ask me when I work. Come on. <laughs> I remember uh, when we were doing that documentary when I went to Lock Park. One of the workers came up. And was like, "Are you part of the BBC?" And we were sitting there, <laughs> with, like, Amazon basic tripods and camcorders. Like, no, clearly Thank not. God, I was, I, I don't know, yeah, yeah, I'm BBC. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, there's, funny enough, you mentioned the producers earlier. I had. Um, I'm not sure if you'll be aware of this guy, Ben Sullivan. He's been on TV yeah. a few times. Yeah, he was in here a few years ago, and he was talking about. Producers, I think it was for Channel Five. Then assume if it isn't, um, the the obviously it surrounds like his kind of like large family, right? And the kind of shows based around um, a contingent of them. But he was telling me that like he suspected because doors were being left open more often, and and they were actually well, he suspected allegedly. Don't have the allegedly button back on the roadcaster yet. It's just yeah. back from repair. Um, that he suspected that they were doing it on purpose to try and get a bit of drama to see like yep. one of the kids have walk uh, run away and that and I was like that is crazy could you imagine if, like one of the kids have got mm-hmm. like ran over or something but like but that's it producers will literally push themselves to the limits to make good TV they don't care although I will say mm-hmm. when it comes to the BBC Social the producers there were phenomenal they were mm-hmm. just there to help but I've I've noticed a lot with TV especially like reality and stuff I got to be an extra in the Only Way Is Essex last year oh, right, okay. twice right it was great um, but. I, I, a lot of people say that they're horrible people they cast, like they're a bit obnoxious. But after seeing the way they were treated, again, mm. producers forcing them to do things, I'm like, no wonder. Like, I would be exactly the same. Yeah, um, almost forcing relationships on them as well. Like, if you want to go to, I think they go have a big holiday at the end of the series, right? If you want to go to Marbella, you better hope you've got a relationship going or a storyline, because mm. otherwise you're not in this. And I legit heard that. It's insane. Like, and then this lassie, her name was Elma who weirdly has a link to Wallace, who lives in Inverness and Nairn, uh, if you remember him from Love Island. Um, so she was told to get a relationship and then she ended up with this guy called Diags, who was, you just wouldn't have put the two together really, but just for the show. Like, you're forcing so much on people, it's insane. Yeah, yeah it's brutal. Reality's taking over TV, isn't it? It's every, every, but everyone... It's because people are attracted to drama, right? That's, like when, you when took people, the words right out when of my people mouth, watch yeah. like their Kardashians, they're not watching it to see them get on. They're watching it for like the mum to go. She did what? And exactly. Then, like, they're all like, yeah. 
Um, you just got to wonder if they ever put a reality show up north. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would it show? They need subtitles for a start. Like. <laughs> the only way is lossy. The police station's open two days a week. Yep. <laughs> there was not 500k <laughs> cocaine found right over the um, <laughs> so I'd watch that. I'd watch that. No, that was a legit story. There were 500 grand of <laughs> so the road. There was a programme on and it was like a BBC Scotland about police and stuff like that. Mm. And it was like... Highland Cops. Yes. Yeah. How good was that? Yeah, there was really a cocaine bus in Wick. So I was like, oh. So, I mean, mm. if TV producers were watching. And do you not always get like really buzzing when you see like your hometown on the telly? You're like, look, yeah. look, we're famous. Does, does <laughs> Someone's been murdered on? again. <laughs> okay, and it's just a bad news report or something. But it's like... Social media is like the best reality TV now though, right? Because I actually, one of the, the podcast episode I watched with you and Dan, you go on about Threplins and the curry situation, right? Oh, <laughs> see if we'd done that on MFR, they would have went mental. Mm, yeah. But like saying it on the podcast, it's folk are talking one. about it. Yeah. It wasn't just that though, it was the amount of stuff that like stemmed from, like I seen a mm. driving instructor, a local driving instructor criticise Threplins, not for that comment, but he was just like, your food's shite. And then they went back at him saying that you treated like, or made a 14 year old girl cry. And I'm like, everyone's getting out of this comment <laughs> section, it's madness. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there with the popcorn, I'm like, keep going. Yep, yep. Um, uh, like a kind of evil grin on my face at the time. <laughs> but that is like, that is it. It's just, I think we're getting into like the whole kind of, like current day, it's like shock value, isn't it? And yeah. it's like, the whole kind of uh, social media especially is the whole um gotcha mentality everyone's just trying to like get one, one up, up. Oh, yeah. yeah yeah well, right now there's a nine month cruise going on and tiktok's just following it and it is just like what you say we're, we're now watching tv through social media mm. like it's yep. insane you're watching people on tiktok cleaning fucking carpets oh it's so uh, therapeutic that, yeah. though <laughs> that and the pool guy yeah. oh <laughs> It's so bad. Amber's lost to this yeah. guy. This guy's made an absolute fortune. Turns out he doesn't own a cleaning company or that. He just cleans one, the same rug. He just goes and throws it in a pile of mud again. And here we go. There's another couple of million quid in the bank. Like, But, but that, that's honestly why I refuse to get it. Because yeah. I, like, I used to have all the social I've medias, like Snapchat it podcast. and that. And it was like, two hours I would be spending on this and I'm like what am I doing like I'm going on different mm. things to see the same like you're not even thing. enjoying what you're watching at times you're just like it's got me yeah. I might find something I like so it just keeps scrolling it's insane although that opens a lot of doors for folk yeah like right now I'm just like I can't get any jobs because I live in the highlands uh, but soon enough it'll all be remote from your bloody phones yeah mm -hmm. totally um I want to ask, and I mean, I, I, you don't have to put them on blast or anything. What's MFR setup actually like? Is it because a lot of the time it's not like a video thing, is it? So people are just hearing it. So is it like sound treated? Is it uh, what kind of microphones are they using? And do they have a production team? A production team, rather. I mean, in its heyday, um, it would have had like a lot of people, but we never, ever, ever had producers. Mm. I'm aware that Jody has one now, um, and Fair Play, she's one lassie doing a breakfast show. So she'll need it. So when I was there, um, we had three studios and two news booths. Mm. So there were like in small rooms. And we have a phenomenal engineer, just one guy called Malcolm, who's still there. And he is MFR. He is living and breathing it every day. He's He could put together anything you wanted. He was building a boat at one point. But he soundproofed <laughs> everything. I mean, I think it would have been done in the 1980s when it first launched, but he's since redone it again. It's got fancy lighting all the way around the mids as well of each studio because what they've done is for every st station that's still open, they've made every studio a replica. So it always, like, so say the network show, like Gary Spence, if he did it from Inverness, it doesn't look like he's anywhere different to where he normally is yeah so he's he's made it like that they're all carpeted walls 
So it's like oh, right, grey okay. carpet. Yeah, so not furry carpet, but like kind of flat carpet. And then you've got Studio A and Studio B. They're your main studios, a backup studio. And uh, it used to be MFR and MFR2 that we came from it, but it's a backup studio now. And you would have a, a big desk, a bit like what we're at right now. And on one side would be a, a microphone like that's in front of us. And then on like my side would be a little goose mic, which looked like a goose's neck that came from the actual desk itself. Oh, right, yeah. Hmm. And there was a couple of them for any guests. And um, yeah, totally soundproof. There was a couple of glass panels so you could see out into reception. That then eventually became the Cash for Kids desks and stuff like that. Uh, the little news booths are just small computers with microphones. We use a system called Zeta now. Uh, we used to have Dalit. That was a mindfuck. But we liked it at the time. And then we moved to Zeta and it was far easier. It's just a far easier system. And um, we edited anything on Adobe. And then we've got offices. But uh, unfortunately now, as far as I'm aware, don't quote me, there'll be one or two news people, a reporter and a, like um, somebody actually saying what the news, news reader. Uh, Cash for Kids, I'm pretty sure, is just one person at the moment. Um, but she's lovely. Her name's Lauren. And then you've got a couple of salespeople. And then Jodie and the producer. That's it. Oh. And it, Malcolm. It, Malcolm's always there. It is crazy, like, the actual kind of productions you can set up. Because you know, 10 years ago, if you told people this, you would be like, you'd have to have, like, 10, 15 people. Whereas, like, mm -hmm. the power of the equipment's getting better, the power of the accessibility of the knowledge like I heard YouTube being described as the biggest university ever to open and it's like so true right like there's so yeah. much stuff that you can just literally learn off the internet now like I just took this up as a hobby and then I got like a professional certificate you know what I mean it was just like like I was saying you're probably more qualified than the people that have sat <laughs> with a textbook do you know what I mean uh, the thing is with MFR is if it does go that's a phenomenal amount of equipment for somebody to get their hands on mm, oh, uh, they've also got like a fake station at the back that they All use right, for okay. training uh, called Monster FM so there's like a whole station sitting right right okay like just not doing anything so dead. like live equipment but yeah. Like, yeah yeah just for like like demos and all yeah. that type of stuff, yeah. You've also got a radio car with a mast and everything. <laughs> uh, so you can go out and do your live broadcasts and stuff like that. Do you think, like, I, I'm aware that we're we're kind of getting to almost the hour and a half range, like time flies when you're having fun, but... Um, I'll uh, say what I said on Melissa's good luck editing this. <laughs> but uh, I do have just, like, a couple brief questions. Like, I know I don't want to, like, speculate and putting you in an alternative universe, but if, you like, things were different and you and Dan were still at MFR, do you reckon you guys would have been covering stuff like Mark Murray and, like, the kind of big oh, events? Oh, we would have been there. Yeah. 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 Were they there? Um, I'm not, I'm sure. not too nah. sure. We were, oh, God, I would have hoped that we'd been on stage in, uh, introducing... <sighs> couple of them because this is the thing like i'm sure we used to see you guys at bella drum and things like that oh yeah, yeah. the main people for bella drum were the bbc but we it didn't stop us from going in there and uh, the guys at bella drum are really good pals now and you'd go in and you do videos and we were djing at a few tents and the co-op had a good sponsor with us so we dj'd at the co-op prosecco tent um and the thing with uh, me being at mfr was i tried my best to like get to different places that were not inverness so i was always through in elgin so like <laughs> everybody knows everybody it kind of makes sense and before you know it you're getting in no matter what yeah. so whether you were there as part of the concert making tiktoks or whatever but i would have hoped if we'd still got, like kept going that we'd be introducing acts and maybe even doing some backstage chat uh still very much open to that when's he coming in in 10 days, <laughs> 10 time? days time um, but also like there's this big joke on air that i was the 28th sugar babe uh, which people <laughs> took really seriously i was like come on it's quite obviously a joke but they're coming to belladrum 
And I would have hoped that if we'd had the show, that that would have been something that we could have totally had a laugh with the sugar peeps about. <laughs> uh, we got to meet Little Mix and everything like that. So I could have just pictured that. But we were just so not ready to stop. Like there was just so much we wanted to do. But well, I mean, Andy, I think Andy handles all the, all the stuff himself. Everything, everything that he handles himself. himself. So, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll pose it to him. Hi, right? Andy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what I'll do is I'll, I'll play the clip of you saying that and I'll record it on here and I'll play it to him. Thank you. In. I mean, I'm gutted I missed the Venga boys, but I can go on for next, oh, this year. One of the, one, one of the things I wanted to ask you before we uh, finish, Grace, was um, those funny women in the woods. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> That's something I never thought you would ask about. Yeah. How did that come about? So I was on MFR one day, right? This is a really actually good story. And Dan said, where do you think you'll be in five years time? And I said, well, no here. And I shouldn't have said that because like, of course I would have wanted to be there. And I got a message from a guy that I kind of knew through Facebook-ish and from doing a Zoom, right? And his name was Jeff Zizinski. Now he no longer does it, but he used to be the head of BBC Radio Scotland wow. for oh. quite some time. Jesus. He's a very nice man. He's almost like my agent, a good person to know. And he messaged me saying, my wife just told me what you said and I thought it was genius. And then from then we kind of had a friendship going and he was very supportive of everything we did at MFR and then um, MFR stopped and he was like, right, well, we'll need to get you doing stuff. And he was doing this thing for Partnerships for Wellbeing, which is a charity and he's doing really well with that. And he was like, I want to get you and another friend of mine called Karen Barkey uh, to do a video for me to show that going out into the woods is good for you and why do you like walking and stuff and I'm like oh but Jeff I don't like walking uh, not that much <laughs> Ryan do you know who Karen Barkey is? Oh no. I didn't know at the time <laughs> She's the lady from Scott Squad She's Officer Karen Oh no way <laughs> I told my family and they're like no you're not meeting Officer Karen Obviously I couldn't call her Officer Karen yeah. but the whole time I'm thinking I'm out with Officer Karen so it's me and Officer Karen doing this bit for um, Jeff and yeah, he got funded to do that through the charity. So we did a couple episodes of that. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed oh, it. It was thanks. good. Yeah. It, by the time we got into the second one, we actually, because we get bikes and everything, we were well into it. I was like, I love this. Um, and now me and Officer Karen are friends. And I got friends with Bobby for Scott Squad. And I was like, oh my God, I'm meeting, I'm meeting people. Oh, Darren Connell. Yes. I listen to his podcast, Straight White Whale. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. quality. Yeah. I've yeah. still to go out and see him um, perform. He's been going out and doing these comedy shows and stuff like that. But I'm just like, oh my God, I'm friends with famous people. It's insane. So she was amazing. And um, I thank Jeff an awful lot for that because he came to my rescue. And he's always got my best intentions at heart. So he's a good man. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, one last one before we have the kind of question we ask every guest that comes on corporate stuff as well yeah yeah, well, the corporate stuff is yeah of course fun, fun. Um, what's the weirdest thing that's happened to you whilst walking through Inverness oh what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me whilst walking through Inverness well in a radio sense or just, just like if someone recognised you or something like for example I was through Inverness bus station at half past dark in the morning one time right I was waiting to get on a bus to go to Sky and this guy that came and then went to the like adjacent uh, bus shelter looked like he had had a good night before and the prior five <laughs> um, had a xylophone with him right and I, I just I knew like you can just tell some of some people like I don't want to catch eye contact with this guy here because I'm just going to end up in like a conversation with someone that's slurring their words and that. Are you sure that's not a glockenspiel? <laughs> <laughs> no. So like it was 10 minutes before the bus came right and when you're in that kind of situation you become aware of how long 10 minutes actually is I was just kind of looking around and I caught eye contact with him. I was like, oh shit. 
So he waved. So on pawn reflection, I would have just been stoic and blank his ass. You know what I mean? But I just automatically went. But he started doing like a fucking puppet show in front of me. Like he was like <laughs> getting his hands to talk to each other and doing all like this weird fucking Don't think oh. he's one of ours, right? Like, <laughs> Well, he was in Inverness, whether he is he a resident. He doesn't belong to us. Uh, oh God. I, I seen Artie from the Singing Kettle once, but I was like too starstruck to go and say hi. Oh, Honestly, my whole childhood just, and he was dressed. So he was obviously going or coming from a gig somewhere. It was like big tartan inflatable clothing. And I was like, no. And it was, it was bloody arty. Uh, so that was quite cool. Um, there was one time, do you want to hear my, my stalker story quite quickly? Oh, uh, <laughs> go for it, why not? This is maybe the preview clip. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we were set out because Scotland were qualifying for football. Uh, we were doing well in the football and loads of people were going out to watch it. Right, now okay. in Glasgow or Edinburgh, people go out at like two o'clock in the afternoon if you're playing at seven, right? Mm. Uh, there's atmosphere all day. Inverness, not quite <laughs> not quite the thing. And uh, our bosses were like, go out into the Inverness City Centre and get some interviews. We're going to do it for all the stations and then we'll air it out um, on Grant's show. So because Grant's show was networked, it would everybody needed to submit something. And it's like half past... 11 in the morning we're like shit we can't find anyone nobody's out drinking and then 12 o'clock came we're like oh my god so we're like right we're showing it maybe we could speak to staff somewhere so the chieftain hotel were showing it and we went out and all we could hear was like the national anthem being played really far away and it was this guy and i will not name him and uh, he was top to toe scotland strip kilt sporting see you jimmy hat on singing the national anthem we're like oh Here's someone we can talk to. Um, <laughs> he was blazing. Um, so anyway, you wouldn't have known, but um, he had the national anthem playing in the background. He was so patriotic. He was like, Scotland's going to win. Yes. Brilliant. Send it over. Um, then the next day we were in town and there he was. And we're like, oh, that's bizarre. Maybe because we've met him now. Right. More, we might notice him more. Okay. Third day, there he was. Fourth day, he's outside the station. It's really weird. Fifties added me on Facebook. Sixth, Suddenly not a coincidence anymore. At oh. sixth day, he's messaged me like every hour, like to the point where on the last day, and this all happened within the space of a week, he took a selfie outside the station beside my car at half past six in the morning. Um, so we got somebody to shoo him away, but then he started coming every single morning to the point where I was like, I'm scared to go to work. Uh, so, so this dude said the time to sober up and started doing this I don't think he ever sobered no, up okay. oh, <laughs> him and the xylophone guy are in the same category oh, then yeah because uh, it's new, near New Creek so I was like maybe like maybe it's somebody like that because we could see a figure moving right. about and we're like oh maybe somebody's you know because that happened quite often is you people, know, people yeah. got out and um, we're like but then he was at the Chieftain and then he was in town and we're like maybe it's not like no he can't be like this he's obviously on drugs or something and then he got in the station because we had a lovely receptionist that then went to help with cash for kids right and um, she actually was on the radio at one point and she didn't know and they were, he was like oh I'm here to see Grace so she let him in and I was like oh my god we got the pictures taken because obviously it's important to have listeners love you got the pictures and then um yeah we had to phone the police afterwards like, right, this guy's really close to like, being in my bed <laughs> when I wake up. Not in that way. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, 
I'm but, scared yeah. to open that door. <laughs> He's just like, he, might be there. <laughs> he got he got the message, but um, it happened a lot actually, not to that extent. But you would get a lot of people just turn up to the station just to see you. Yeah, that has to be the weirdest one That's then, right? Sure. Like they just weird, turn up like... to your work. One like, woman yeah. bought me this fantastic paella dish. I've still got it. It heats itself up. It's fantastic. I shouldn't have taken it off her. That's she just, such a random thing to buy. I, she was like, I heard that you like paella. Have I ever mentioned that? No. And I bought you that. 25 quid from B&M. Poor woman. Had, I think she, Dan got a, a clock the shape of a rooster. And I was like... That's even more I, random. Honestly, and I felt so bad because like, I had to take it off or otherwise she'd be really upset. And then I felt the need to use it and review it. So... Oh. I mean, the list could go on. It's bizarre. I mean, I look back on MFR with fond memories now. Um, and if anyone loves listening to me on Heart, mm. then please turn up with presents outside Heart. No, I'm only joking. That'd be great. But um, nah. <laughs> so many stories, yeah. not enough time. No, exactly. That is, yeah, that's that's, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. God, I don't, I don't want to... That's me. Think about the big dogs. Think about, like, I don't know, Chris Moyles in his heyday. Uh, Greg James right now like big big presenters like they must get it 10 times worse than me <laughs> I just can't get over a paella dish yeah. like, it's what's so that good about? it's like you cook on it it's fantastic oh, we just we just got that random American saying that he was buzzing with starting a Freemason podcast yeah, we, like, we, we had a guy think we were starting Freemasons like, no, says we're, in, um, so this is named after uh, I don't know if you're ever familiar with the beach bar may it rest in peace oh yes um, I'm friends with Kerry so there was the there was like a, literally a point where the regulars were sitting. It was called like the northeast corner. I was just kind of thinking of a name at the time. I was like, "Fuck it, no one's got it." And then some American got in touch last year and was like, um, "You know, is it okay if I use like a similar name?" And I'm like, "It's a free world. I'm not, I'm not big enough to copy right. Mm-hmm. I don't care." And he was like, "I think it's great what you're doing." And I'm like, "All right, nice." And he was like, "Yeah, you know, I've been wanting to get something started with the stone Freemasons as well." And I'm like, <laughs> "What are you talking about, sir?" And I'm like. You've whoa, clearly whoa, not whoa, read whoa, the description whoa. or listened to anything. <laughs> oh, bless him. And he was like, I, I'm thinking of calling it the northeast corner of Huntington Bay, Florida. And I'm like... You go for it, mate. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Each to their own. But then I, I said to a mate a few weeks later, I was like, how fucking random is that? And he was like, oh, but you know what? It's called the northeast corner. I was like, oh, no. And it's like, oh, because apparently the domain's called it that. So anyway, yeah. I have one, like, see, like, since I flooded the algorithm on YouTube with the audio stuff, because they're all linked now. There's a lot uh, of like stonemason stuff in Alan well, videos. Religious Americans, because like there's just profile pictures of Bibles, and I'm like, yeah, that's not our audience. We don't, we but don't. you'll take anything you can <laughs> yeah, get. Yeah. It's like right now, I have got quite a lot of when I was at, I was at Fix Radio for a short time. I've got a lot of builders that follow me on LinkedIn, so <laughs> they're good people to know. And you never know, you might need these people at times. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> okay. You need your host done up, case a shout. I know them all. <laughs> LinkedIn uh, of all places as well. I'm getting bad. I'm now in the pub checking my LinkedIn. It's, it's terrible stuff. I am just a way to join LinkedIn. <laughs> and I'm like, nope. Um, okay, so. Thank you very much for coming on, Grace. Yeah. You know, it's Listen, just, it's been yeah. a pleasure. Inverness really is good. quite the trek to the old uh, jewel or rough diamond, as some people like to call it. Um, we have one question that we each ask. Do you want to go first? Um, you better do your five star review. Oh yeah, you, you know by now. Like there's there's ninety five people like, that are following. Like there's ninety five people following us. Why have we only got a six five star reviews? Because please, you're please coercing just... them not to do it. That's a conspiracy. 
You're coercing people. You, you've already made defeat in the podcast wars. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, you know the usual. Do you want ones. me to go first this time? Change it about for a new year. Go for it, man. Okay, so Grace, we've got two questions. We finish off the podcast on. Um, my question is: What is the one thing in the world that makes you the happiest? Oh no, I have <laughs> the answer, but it's not the right one. Uh, music. Good. That's a good one, yeah. 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 And then my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and my family. I'll just cut that and swap that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah nah, music's universal, man. It can speak to so many different people and it can change your feelings about anything. Like, if I'm feeling like crap, I put on a good playlist and then it changes the way I feel. So if I don't have music, I don't know where I'd be. Do you not think it's weird that people, when they're upset, put on sad music to make themselves cry and things like that? Oh, as <laughs> crying's good fun for a short period of time, getting out there, back, oh no. It's just strange, I don't get why people do it, I'm like, you're just causing yourself more pain There right is now. one song I will cry to if I'm having like a proper crisis, which happens often these days now that I'm over 30. It's uh, a song called Sunscreen. Um, okay. Right, and it's not even really a song, it's, uh, it's everyone's free to wear sunscreen and it talks about how life's not that easy and uh, you know maybe you'll grow up and have kids maybe you won't and it talks for ages and that's the only song I will literally cry to I'm like so right <laughs> so bang on but yeah uh, I like the trance world more yeah yeah, I'm a bit of a Sinead O'Connor man just now myself. So, <laughs> you going to war or something? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, when she died, there was so much of her music on the radio, and I'm like, this is actually class. Like, she's got such a good voice. She should die more often, <laughs> yeah. eh? Oh, you walk in, your head's going to be shaved, and you uh, uh, have like yeah. green and white painted yeah, across little, your face. Yeah, piercing and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, mine is what's one thing you overthink? Everything. That is good. That is literally yeah. the answer we get over and over again. Yeah. I care far too much about what people think. It's insane, mm -hmm. but I know that's the one thing I shouldn't. So I'm overthinking my overthinking. Mm. Uh, right now, it's uh, my career. I am overthinking the right thing. Do you ever get FOMO? And you, mm, you think, yeah. oh, so right now I'm in a job and I think it's great, but oh, there could be another job out there that would be far better. And why am I not in it? And I might only have a few years left. And oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So I'm, I overthink my career all the time and because it is so cutthroat like your job could go tomorrow it's hard not to think like that um it's a bit crap that i don't overthink anything else apart from my career right now but that's just where do i you am. get like imposter syndrome like would you, would you see like another radio presenter and compare yourself to oh my radio? god yeah so i feel like they've only given me the job at heart because they feel sorry for me um which i know is not the case because there are so many big names at that station. I mean, there's a girl called Kat Cubie. She used to do the weather. Um, Des Clark does breakfast. Mm -hmm. uh, she, he's a huge comedian. Jennifer Riox was Miss Scotland. Uh, Amy Irons is a famous sports presenter. And David Farrell used to be Romeo back in the day, if you know of the Clyde One days. He was a huge DJ in Clyde One. And then now he's on the telly. He's on the BBC uh, doing programmes. And I'm like, and then there's Grace who lives in Inverness. <laughs> so you get huge imposter syndrome. I'm you like, got, ah. You've got Road to a Million. You've got BBC. Yeah, I've got the Channel know? 4 stuff now you've as well. Channel 4. Yeah, I'm building. I'm yeah. building. But I think you'll always think, what the hell am I doing here? I don't have the right to be here. I could be getting a MBE one day and still not think I've got the right, but I've obviously... Yeah, it's never enough, is it? No, yeah. you just always beat yourself up. So I overthink everything. Like, it's bad. I shouldn't, but... You know, there'll come a point in my life where I don't give a fuck. Mm. And I'm very much looking forward to that. Have you ever heard of a book called Feeling Good by a guy called David Burns? No. That's a really good book to read. Something I should yeah. read? Okay. 
It's on Amazon. Well, every book's on fucking Amazon these days. Yeah. You know, I'm sure they've got it on January sales and all that. But uh, yeah, I guess it's good catching up again as well as speaking to yourself, yeah. Grace. Uh, oh, we'll thank you. be back 10 mm. days time with... Andy McDonald, right? Andy We're getting McDonald's. through the list, man. Yep. Facebook's not just used for like hacking elections anymore. <laughs> oh, love it, love it, love it. You can just it's so you you probably see the different side to that we do, Grace, because you're 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 kind of well known. But we love social media because it's so easy to access people. It's mm-hmm. like, but you probably get that the wrong end. And uh, I hear listen. I still stalk my ex's birds, so it's, it's fine. I can find her with just a first name. The internet and Facebook's great at the moment, but yeah, I totally get where you come from. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll see you in episode one hundred six. Yeah.